Radio. You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Talk Naturally, the place where your animal friends and nature come together to find health, happiness, and harmony with all the natural things the earth has to offer. Your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason, each week will lead you through the practice of taking care of your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature provides. So, get ready to learn about natural nutrition, preventative pet health, and more with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Hello, I'm Kim Bloomer. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Jeannie Thomason, the other host. And today we're going to be talking about that intuitive touch with Linda Tellington-Jones. I'm sure if anybody's ever heard about tea touch they know who Linda is. <laughs> but and it's going to be a different kind of show. We're going to really focus on the human-animal bond today and, and learning to trust our instincts when it comes to our animals. Linda has a just loads of stories to share with us and also some news. So um, after we hear from our partner, we'll be right back. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally, Pet Talk Naturally will be right back. Flight 291 is now boarding. All passengers, please proceed to gate 4. And who's this traveling with us today? This is Bailey. She's never flown Midwest Airlines before. Hi, Bailey. (coughs) She'll be fine. We take special care of our traveling pets. In fact, our premier pet program was created by an employee and dog lover who believes that pets should be handled as precious cargo. And they are. Oh, and they earn travel rewards, too. Oh, good. Thanks for flying Midwest Airlines, Bailey. Enjoy your flight. Visit MidwestAirlines.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Welcome to Personals.com. As a fellow cat owner, I know how finicky we are. From our friendships to our loves to just about everything, not any old website is going to satisfy us. Here at Personals.com, cat lovers from all walks of life can celebrate the photos, the stories, and videos of their beloved family member. And if you're single, here's your chance to meet someone who's perfect for you. Share your personality today for free. See you soon. Personals.com. That's P-U-R-R-S-O-N-A-L-S dot com. Finally, a place to meet that special person. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? 
with exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart. Every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Well, um, we're right back, aren't we, Jeannie? We're going to be talking with Linda Tellington-Jones today. Linda, I know you're there. Welcome. I'm here. I'm here. It's hard to stay in Hawaii. Oh, I wish you could hear the birds are singing and the sun is shining, and it's just spectacular. Okay, as we all sit here in winter weather... Sending some of this your way. Good, thank you. We can feel, feel it. it. Feel it. It's yeah. like the Hawaiian breeze. I just felt it, Linda. Okay. Warm Good. sunshine. You oh. bet. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's getting springtime here in New Mexico because I know you also come and live here part time, and it's but it's windy springtime. So. Oh well, that's not unusual. And no, it's not. <laughs> well, Linda, before we get into the topic of today. I mean, you have such an extensive background, and I think the audience would like to just hear a little bit about you. And so if you can, I know it's difficult because you've been doing uh, and working. You created T-Touch a long time ago, and you've just been working with such a variety of animals. I mean, your life experiences with animals have been amazing. So would you just give them a recap of what you do and, and about the T-Touch? Yeah, I mean, I um, I am so blessed. I I just can't tell you the blessings that I feel um, at this point in my life. And you know, I have been um, developed this type of gentle body work called Tellington T Touch. That is, uh, it's a collection of little circles and slides and lifts all over the body, and it just seems so innocent. But actually, what it does is deepen that bond and deepen that relationship with an animal. So it's like a language without words for interspecies communication. Mm. And and the interesting thing is, and people think, oh, well, it's a type of massage because it is on the body, but our intention is to activate the healing potential of the cells, to activate the communication between the cells. And I I love your, you know, this discussion we thought we'd have on intuition because the way I have developed this work is trusting my intuition over all these years. Wow. And in in you know, what does that mean, I mean, to us to in intuition and how I got started on this well well first of all before I get to that, I I want to tell our listeners who don't know about the work. Um the work started by with horses, with working with behavior and improving performance in horses. And then, oh golly, many, many years ago, um, I was at a, at a workshop actually and there was a, somebody, a horse person had a difficult a dog that was challenging there that was uh, one of these alarm barkers, always mm-hmm. you know, barking at every noise that came and with, with no obvious reason that the person could see. And so I looked at the posture of the dog because one of the things that we've discovered in first in horses is that if you change the posture you change the behavior which actually goes for any animal and so this particular dog had was was very high-headed 
and um, stiffly high-headed and had a stiff tail. And so I hmm, thought, well, you know what, when we change the, when we take a high-headed horse, high-headed, high-strung, you change the horse and it changes the behavior. And I just worked gently on the dog's neck and head and ears as we do. And um, and and it just made such a difference. Mm. Well, why is that, Linda? Why would why would it be that the high headedness and and, and the st- is it just the stiffness in the structure, or what? What do you think that was? Well, you know, something um, when you think in terms, of, it's it's kind of easier in a way with horses. If you get a horse who's nervous. Mm-hmm. High and high headed, they are much tenser. They're in a preparation for flight. Ah, and okay. when you just lower that head, you teach them to lower the head, and which also, and bring the back up, those two things that we do together with our back lifts. Mm-hmm. It is just amazing how suddenly the horse breathes differently, they look differently, they can think instead of react. Ah, well, that's an important thing because I keep hearing that with horse people all the time, yeah. I guess, it, you know, because horses are a flight animal. And so, I mean, that's their protection. And well, it's so, their instinct, if you think about it. Yeah, and it's their it. instinct. It's but their you know instinct. what? My interest is not in working with horses at the instinctive level because instinct is for fear. It's taking them beyond instinct and teaching them how to think. And this is true. But that's with so important, I think. Don't you, Linda? I mean, Linda, that's the thing that we want to get them to think and rather than react. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And with a horse, you really have to because they're a big, powerful animal. <laughs> right. So, well, and it's the same way with the dogs, uh, yeah. small, small or large. I mean, we, we want to be able to teach them to think. And it's such a treasure to take a dog who has these instinctive reactions because of tension in the body or, you know, all kinds of stuff, and, and change them. It's like our Westie. I'm, she's sitting here right with me now. We have a little Westie named Rainy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I think we had Rainy on once before, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people just cannot get over the fact that she is so mellow. But I've done a lot of work with these little circular tea touches with the whole idea of bringing a new sense of awareness to her body so that she makes choices. You know, if, it's just fascinating to watch her bark at something down the street because she has this lookout that we have on the second floor mm. and then turn and look at me and say, did you get it? <laughs> and I say, okay, what is it? And I go and look. Thank you very much. Got it. And that's enough, you know. So, all right. That's and, an interesting uh, segue into the fact that so many people probably, you know, they they can purchase your DVDs and read your books. But now you have a YouTube channel that people can actually go and see some of. The up close and personal tea touch. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that because reading the books is really helpful, but when you actually see it on the yeah. you know, on the screen, and so we what we're doing, we're we've got segments up now on tea touch on a horse. We also I don't know if you've seen it. We have it on a cat. On a cat, yeah, yeah, and we're going to be putting up more for dogs and the various other animals I've worked with. You know, I have a wonderful little segment on working with Keiko when he was down in Mexico. Oh, wow. oh really? I didn't know you yeah. worked on him. Twice. Twice. Really? Yeah. Wow. How exciting. Because, well, he was really shy about strangers, and so I was asked to go down there and um, work with him. Actually, you know, I can't remember who it was, but it was a veterinarian in Albuquerque who wrote to me and said, Linda, you've got to go and talk and, and be with Keiko. 
Hmm. And because she'd been communicating with him from a distance, and so I did it twice, and it was it's really beautiful to see it. So I think maybe I'll put that up next because his memory is just so precious. To I would him. love to see that because I, you know, I watched, I read everything on him. Of course, I saw the movie that was made with him and so oh. forth. But you know, it was really, it was really. It was an interesting thing that they tried to do, and I'm just glad you got to meet him, Linda. That's really, really great. Um, yeah, I am too, and I, I, he, I'm, in my opinion, he should never have been moved. You know, but right, and we know it's one of those things. You just, I guess, yep. I know a lot of times people think maybe we're doing the right thing, and and really that's what this our show is kind of morphing into more about teaching about the nature of animals and sharing stories like what you do. Not that we're not teaching health, because we definitely are, but we feel that if people would understand the nature of animals better, we right. we would have better communication with them, and we would understand what to correctly feed them and so forth, just based on what they need, what, well, what their it, wild it, it, cousins it, need. <laughs> right. And, you know, one of the things that's so interesting to me, um, there are some basic um, uh, principles about animal behavior that I think are not out there. And one of the things that I learned many years ago, it's been about 18 years ago, from a wonderful veterinarian named uh, Betsy Adamson. And Betsy had come to a three-week training that I did in San Miguel de Allende. And we had in that training a very high-headed thoroughbred that had been a jumper in Mexico, a successful open jumper, but really high-headed and spooky as could be. And you know how some of those jumpers are. Mm-hmm. I mean, a t- what you think of as a typical kind of just on the edge of control jumpers, right? Uh, like you used to see. I mean, it's not the it's not your typical successful horse today, but it certainly used to be. Right. And anyway, one of the things that that she told me that I have never seen anywhere written, except in I wrote it in my new book. You know, I don't know if you've seen my book. The what's the new book, Linda? It's the ultimate horse. Behavior and training. Mm, no, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh my gosh, we're going to send you a copy. It's huge. It has like four hundred. It's a big coffee table sized book. And it has oh wow! Oh, mine, mine and Jeannie's kind of book. Yes. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Know, it, it has a hundred. It has two pages that have a listing, a hundred and three typical behaviors that horse people deal with, and then you just take that page and you turn to page like ninety seven and shying, and you read that, and then that sends you to five or six other places in the book where you specifically go to lessons that we have that you just go out and do one at a time at the barn. It's it's I'm very wow. Mm. Anyway, in that book, what I wrote is something that I learned all those years ago that as a horse person I had never heard, and that is that when a horse is in a state of preparation for flight, mm-hmm. of this intense fright, there is a message that is a chemical message that's sent from the brain to to withhold, you know, to pull up the the circuit, the blood to the mm-hmm. limbs, so that that horse has more strength for running. Mm, now, when you perfect. think about it, <laughs> horses who are spooky, as a rule, do not like their legs touched. Mm-hmm. When you think about, it. isn't that interesting? It yes. is interesting. Very. Interesting. Now it's the same with dogs, actually. You know how? Yeah, and my dog is one of them, Linda. You met him briefly um, this last summer, and he's one of those that doesn't. You know, it, like his legs touched. 
Exactly. Now, what we have discovered taking that is that when you take what we call the wand, like a little soft stick, you know, mm-hmm. and you stroke them down neck, chest, and legs to the paws and a dog and to the hooves and a horse, that you, you, you just change that message from the brain. You can calm them. It oh, changes wow. their whole attitude. And, and so me. we can turn that around. Now, the second thing about that is... High-headed, high-strung in a horse. Mm-hmm. If a horse is nervous, where does the head go up, right? Right. Not in the ears, yeah. When you lower the up. horse's head, what that does is override that flight reflex. So when you look at those two things together, it's fascinating how you can affect behavior. Wow. Mm. And it's it so simple, me. you know. Yeah, and you've been obviously observing, and I think that's something, Linda, that uh, people... I guess in our busy hustle bustle and also our need to control things and, and that includes animals, we have forgotten to observe. And mm-hmm. you obviously observe. Yeah, <laughs> well I've been them. really fortunate. You know, I I can remember the first time I actually observed in that way. I was about mm, I think ten or eleven. I and I had read an advertisement for a little book in a in a horse magazine, a little set of booklets by Professor Barry. Did you ever see those Barry School of Horsemanship books? I and I didn't. Have you, Jeannie? I don't know. The, it sounds really familiar to me, but I may have just forgotten reading them. The name. Well, I doubt that you would have, because you're not. You're not. You know, you're a little too short in the tooth. Now remember <laughs> that I'm seventy, and that I was ten at the time. So we're talking sixty years ago. Wow. And anyway, so I, I sent off for them, and in it he um, um, he had about three different drawings of horses' heads showing that if a horse has a dish face, it's going to be a certain type of right. guy. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I started watching our horses because we had a farm at the time and we, had, we actually boarded horses. And, um, and so I started looking at horses' faces at that point, you know, and that's what I've been doing for many years. And I, do you know my, well, you're into dogs, but do you know my book is called um, Getting in T-Touch with Your Horse, Analyzing? Yeah, I do mm-hmm. know about that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when I started that. <laughs> wow. And at our school, you know, I had a nine-month residential school for riding instructors and trainers in the 60s in California, the Pacific Coast. School of Horsemanship, and uh, wow. that was our keyword: observe. Mm. Just observe. The, I'm just convinced that, in the, in the people like yourself, Linda, that we've had the opportunity to read their books or whatever, who've been in just this observation, watching, you know, how animals move, because they speak with movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a whole language with movement, and um, we've kind of lost touch with that, I think, with humans and humans, but. Uh, animals are always speaking with their movement and their and the way they move their bodies and just the whole language they have within their own um, species. And well, all and animals. If you think about uh, if you think about humans, we're taught to inhibit our movement, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and not to get in each other's. I mean, horses have this amazing language with their whole bodies, and those people like yourself who have really observed and watched them really get them, and I'm sure that. That's partly why your tea touch has been successful, but the other part of it is because of your trusting your instincts, your intuition. Well, you know how I started this? I mean, it's so interesting. Um, 
I think I was about 24, and for and I, there was an advertisement in the San Francisco Chronicle um, for a new computer-generated na- um, astrological chart, you know, a natal chart. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for my birthday, I sent away for it. I think it was like $5. Oh, wow. And, and I got this, this thing back. It was a little booklet. That um, that and in it it stated that um, in my lifetime I would develop a type of wor- communication that would go spread around the world. I mean, isn't that phenomenal? Wow. That is. I mean, <laughs> I've never had anything like that. <laughs> well, I haven't either in any other chart. And what it said in order to develop that, I would have to learn to trust my intuition. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I didn't. Understand. I mean, what, I that thought, meant. what does that mean, intuition? Mm-hmm. How do you learn to trust your intuition? And so I tried to look it up, and we didn't have Google in those days. So you know, <laughs> the best I could find is was unlearned knowledge. Well, that's not very helpful, is it? No. <laughs> and um, and so, but I just started paying attention to the you know what would come to us. And over the years, of course, it's become really important to me because. Um, one of the things I was I was giving a fundraiser for actually the uh, our American dressage team in I think it was 1978 and mm. I had about 600 people there. It was you know it was, an, it was a big event and I was working on a really spooky difficult uh, performance horse and just ma- making these very gentle moves at the time I was doing the Feldenkrais work at the time and somebody mm. said to me Linda what are you doing. And without thinking intuitively, I said, I'm releasing fear at the cellular level. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what does that mean? Yeah. Nobody talked about cells in those days. Oh, my goodness. And we take that for granted, don't we, that, you know, this knowledge has been around forever. Huh. Well, I'll tell you it hasn't. And so I, and I, I really sort of scared me because I thought, oh, my God. I mean, I was very well accepted back then also in the horse world. Uh, you know, we had, my husband and I had had a syndicated column in eight magazines, and we wrote regularly for Western Horsemen monthly mm-hmm. column and called Let's Go. And um, we'd been out there. I'd been very successful in the show world and in the, in right. the school world. And, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to invalidate me. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, like, release fear at the cellular level? So that night, I, I, when I went home, I called Dr. Alice DeGroote. Did you ever meet Alice? She no. was one of the first. She was she was one of the first um, veterinary women veterinary acupuncturists for horses, yeah. and she worked for Equus magazine for years. Yeah. Uh, actually, she's living in the Albuquerque area now, and she was a friend of mine. And I called her and I said, "Do you think cells can hold fear?" And she said, "Oh, Linda." Mm. <laughs> Everybody in the West, in the Eastern world, knows that. That's common knowledge. It is now, actually, though, and especially when you, even if you're studying uh, different things that I've studied in, you know, in, in naturopathy, Linda, and that is something that is definitely discussed. That the cells, you know, each individual cell is life. Absolutely. Why it wouldn't it hold fear? Then. I mean, right. in the Western world, it was not known. Right. You know, and that's amazing. I guess somehow over time, people like yourself bringing it to common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it's AIDS. It. It's thanks to AIDS that we know it. That's oh, that's, are you kidding? Oh, because of the, search, uh, the research. Um, the research on that. Absolutely. 
that's that's oh. when it started getting out. I mean, it had certainly been there because I one of the one of the books that absolutely has been a major influence in my life's work is a book called Man on His Nature by Sir Charles Sherrington. And Sherrington won um, a Nobel Prize for his work. And um, this was one of the books in my... I I did a four-year training at the Humanistic Psychology Institute starting in 1975 with Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais and Mm -hmm. working for the human uh, body. And then I adapted that work first to horses. And one of the textbooks we had to read was um, Man on His Nature by Sir Charles Sherrington. He was a medical researcher, a doctor and a researcher, and he wrote a statement that absolutely clicked with me, and uh, it has affected everything I do in my life. And he wrote the statement that, isn't the body a wonder? If you would cut out several inches of a nerve, most of the time those two ends will find their way back together. Right. And he said, how is this possible? Very simple. Each cell knows its function within the body and its function within the universe. And when I read that, I thought, oh, that's really easy. I don't understand how this Feldenkrais works so miraculously to help people. Um, All I have to do is just say cells, you know, cells in my fingers, just touch this body and remind this body of its potential for perfect functioning. Mm-hmm. And that's our message. You know, we do as much work now with people. With I've noticed that you're doing a lot of work with people. Yeah. You have announcements on your site about that, right. which is um, ttouch.com, just for the listening audience to be able to find you. As yes, and you can go. You can go under it. We have, we have, you know, pages under horses, companion animals, and humans. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, you have a lot of stuff happening with humans and um, some exciting stuff with uh, uh, changing the world one tea touch at a time, which I think is great. Linda, they even know that when you transplant, for example, and Jean and I were just talking about this last week about how when a heart has been transplanted into somebody else's body, there's all kinds of memories in there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. have you read some Organ of the stories? I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, some of the like one of the famous ones is this um, nun who had um, a heart transplant with a motor, young motorcyclist who was killed. Who was, and she had been a vegetarian, and the first thing she was, you know, when she could eat again, was a big juicy rare hamburger. <laughs> mm. I've heard she about had that. that. Memory. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It is fascinating. So you do take. There was a time when they thought that. That wasn't so. Right. And now they're knowing. No, but the heart has is like another whole brain on top it of is. it. So it's I mean, incredible. a heart transplant's a pretty interesting thing. You know, even though other other body parts um, transferred have similar things, even because they, every cell has memory, and that is just amazing to me. Isn't that so, exciting? And you see that when I started. Then I, that was 1976, I started thinking of bodies and working on bodies because, of course, I was doing work with humans as well as horses. My work was horses, but then I was studying to be work with humans, which I do since ever, ever since. And what I, I started seeing are bodies as a collection of cells. And what I see and dogs, horses, humans, it doesn't matter, when there is an area that's been injured, it's as though the light in the cells is reduced. That's how Mm. I I experienced it. Or if there's fear in an animal, wherever they don't want to be touched, it's as though 
there's not a much as much awareness there. It's like the the light is reduced. And mm. um, talk about following my intuition. A number uh, two years ago, I had an opportunity to um, meet with Dr. Fritz Albert Pop, and he has been studying light in cells in Germany. He's a quantum right. physicist since 30 years. And when I told him that, you know, what I do and that I experience, I don't know how you say it, but intuitively I experience this feeling in the body that there's not as much light. And he said, what I'm experiencing is the communication between the cells is inhibited. Mm. When well, that makes light. sense. Mm-hmm. Even when you're thinking about, you know, acupressure or acupuncture or any of those kind of healing modalities, there is, and, and the Chinese call it qi, uh, there's less life force there, Linda. Exactly. And so instead of thinking it in the, as the chi, as the, as the energy channels that run through the body, I see it in terms of the life force in each cell. And with these very gentle circular touches, what we can do is, is remind the body of its, and the cells of it, their potential for perfect functioning. That's our oh, message. That is just wow. so amazing. Well, we're going to take a real short break, and when we come back, Linda is going to share some of her cool stories with us about her work with animals and she has worked with a wide variety of them Uh, this is uh, Kim Bloomer and Jeannie Thomason we are speaking with Linda Tellington Jones today and we'll be right back time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets and while we're doing that you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors naturally pet talk naturally we'll be right back Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Ready to take a walk? Not just you, but your whole family. It's the 2008 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 8th from 9 to 4 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2008, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. 
Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. I'm Kim Bloomer, together with Jeannie Thomason, and today we are speaking with Linda Tellington-Jones about that intuitive touch, and as Linda was really opening this up for us um, before the little break there, uh, we I'm fascinated by this topic and more and more, and uh, today, the rest of the show that we have, the remaining time we have left, Linda is going to share some of those stories. And Linda, you know what? I've never heard anybody say light and cells like that, but that really makes sense to me um, on a whole other level. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, life is light. It's in, yeah. We're infused with yeah. it. And you know and, what's so fascinating uh, right now for me is that you see, each time we just suggest you put your your hands, just curve your hands, fingers softly, and put them on. You can do it on yourself, since you may not have a dog or a cat sitting next to you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just, if you have any area that, uh, for instance, we do something called a heart hug. And you just put your flat hand, one on top of the other, on your in the middle of your chest and your heart chakra, mm-hmm. and move the skin gently in a circle in the quarter, just starting toward at the ground, you know, toward the ground, and move around the face of the clock one and a quarter circles, and take a deep breath, and really think of something that makes you feel good, or just sit there very quietly and. It is fascinating what we have found is that a person who is really feeling stressed, um, can their, their stress reduces dramatically, and we've actually done some really interesting work with um, neurofeedback EEGs showing what actually happens in the brain. Now, the, the, oh, it's fascinating. So it's something, what I love about T-Touch for humans is it's about self-help because you can take any place on your body where you're feeling pain and with these little circles, reduce that pain yourself in literally a matter of minutes, sometimes less even. And well, what's nice is now with the YouTube videos, people can actually see what you mean when you're talking about with your hand, how your hand is placed and what you're doing. Yes, but, yes. and I'm going to put, I'm going to actually, you just made me think I'm going to put our human one of our human uh, yes. up there. Wow. So well, that'll cool. be great, Linda. And we have the YouTube, your YouTube channel linked already on Animal Talk Naturally, and it's just called the T-Touch, it's called T-Touch Channel, and it's under the podcast and video cast on our main site. If you can't find it, you can find it on Linda's site at T-Touch.com real easily also. So just and so that you guys know, you can find it. <laughs> we can go easily to you then. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, I, so, I just want to tell you a few stories, you know. Yes. I, I think I live in Hawaii, and we talk story, and it's how people learn. And um, one of the things that just little animals that came to my mind intuitively when we started talking is a little chuckwalla lizard. The chuckwalla lizard is a very rare type of lizard, and there was one of these in the Toledo Zoo. And um, quite a number of years ago, I was there working on an elephant, actually, 
Oh, and, I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I'll tell you about the elephant. She was really interesting. The reason I was asked to work on her is because she could not uh, be bred. They couldn't get her pregnant because she was really afraid of the male. She'd been raised oh. in captivity. Mm-hmm. And when the male came, she would, you know, a male bull elephant, she would sit down. Yeah. And when I put my hand on her with this very gentle work on the front legs and did these circles, and you don't do it, I mean, it's as literally as light as you would move the skin on below your eye. That's all mm-hmm. I was doing, what we call like a, a two pressure on her front legs, and she was fine. Then I went to her back legs, and when I just touched her back legs, um, just at the top of the leg, her she started trembling. Like and her her legs were trembling like a oh, wow. aspen leaves. It was really sad, and I don't know what had happened to her. She hadn't been at this zoo very long, mm. but I think she'd really been whipped or punished or, it, it or shocked. Like it. Or, yeah. You know, and so what I did was go back to where she felt safe and work her legs, and then finally work back. And she got so she trusted me, and. Um, the, and she was able to be bred. So anyway, after working on this elephant, I was asked by one of the vets if I would look at this chuckwalla lizard because it had had a three-day impaction. And, you know, you can't tube a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> and but I'm, you can't give them a fleet enema. Right. <laughs> exactly. So um, I, what I did, and I mean an impaction, meaning that she had like a colic, was stopped up. It means that the the animal was not going to make it. I mean, she was mm-hmm. going to die. So I put my hand underneath her. She was just, or he, whatever, sitting on this table. And I did these very gentle, just enough to move the little bit of tiny inclination of a circular movement all over the abdominal area. And everybody, like there were four people. We have a picture of it actually in my book. There were four people standing there looking. And within two minutes, suddenly <laughs> there's this big pool of urine and this nice long poo. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Everybody cheered. They were so happy. I mean, oh, that, was like, that is so great. You know, I just I know that's crazy for us to think, but we know how important yeah. that function yeah, right. of the body exactly. is anyway. So. And, I mean, now the neat thing is, talk about intuitive, you can do this with your, you know, your own animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I had another friend of mine call me one night, and she's just gotten a new puppy, and, and um, she was going to have to take her to the vet the next day because she wasn't peeing. And um, She wasn't what? Peeing. Well, it wasn't oh, peeing. Oh, my goodness. It was urinating. You yeah. know? And she was thinking, oh, dear, she's got an infection, something, something's going on. And I said, well, you know, if you're not going tonight. Why don't you just, while you're sitting there, just start doing these little, put your hands on the lower abdomen and just very gently start doing the little circles and little lifts, very gently, all over. And again, within like several minutes, there was pee all over on the bed, and she was actually happy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, know. I would be too. If well, it yeah, was, if she wasn't going, wow. On the bed or not, you can wash that. Yes, right. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, she was probably just stressed. She had just gotten her. You know, yeah. She was nervous. I do think, too, Linda, that a lot of times because we're stressed about something or emotional, our animals really pick up on everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're so, that's where they live. You know, they're in that moment, but they're also, they're movement for them, and, and you know this with horses really well, uh, everything for them, they, they see a renewance, and I think they exactly. take on a lot of it, and it can even make them sick. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, not a question. And you know what? It reminds me of a cat story. I was in uh, near Amsterdam, you know, in a workshop actually that a friend of mine was teaching, and I was asked would I show tea touch, you know, and these, this was a human course, but um, of course everyone wanted to talk about their dogs and cats, and someone said to me after. Um, well, she had a cat, and every time she came away for this two-week course, her cat would quit eating and felt terrible. And I mm. said, how do you feel about leaving the cat? Oh, I just, you know, feel terrible. Mm. I said, I think your cat wonders what's wrong with you. Right. <laughs> Why are you feeling terrible? <laughs> you would just make a mental picture, send your cat a mental picture that you're just fine, and you'd like her to eat and tell her when you're going to be home. And see what happens. And she called that night, and her husband said, I don't know what happened, but the cat started eating. Mm. And I talked to this woman like a year later in the same workshop, and she hadn't had a problem since. Isn't well, I'll tell you, Linda, I had an interesting story kind of like that with my dog. There was this, you know, he loves the sprinklers at the park, and um, he's not so into them anymore. And I, ever since this, this time that I did this with him, I kept telling him, you can play in the sprinklers when we're finishing because he thinks he's got to eat them, you know, and yeah. this big sprinkler's coming at him, and I didn't want him having running around with all that water in his stomach with, you know, and I'm thinking gastric torsion because, right. you know, and so I didn't, I kept telling, I, I was driving to the park and I was telling him, but I had this visual in my head without realizing it till later of him doing that and how I wanted him to just run around the park and avoid all the sprinklers till we're, you know, on our last lap so you could play with them and we're going home. And I'm not kidding you, that's exactly what he did. I didn't say it any differently than I'm saying it to you guys right now. I just held the picture in my head. So animals really, they're, there's, they communicate differently than we do, I think, or maybe how we could. So what you're sharing with us is, is, is to think about that if we're Absolutely. stressed out. Yeah, and, and you know, I pulled a little book off the shelf for your um, listeners. It's called "Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home." Mm-hmm. Yeah, by Rupert Sheldrake. Yeah, right. And uh, do you know the book? Yeah, yeah, I know of it. Yes, I haven't read it, but it, I know it's of it. Really worth. He, he, Rupert uh, actually, his first book was a new, uh, the new science of life. He's a scientist. And who has written and, and, and researched actually a lot about the morphogenetic field, the, the concept that we, that our collective consciousness is what actually uh, forms <laughs> the, what happens on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a wonderful little book showing how, how um, with, 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 without any question, by using video, they can, a dog can tell when you're getting ready to come home. Mm-hmm. And, and and he shows you how you can do this same research. It's really worth reading. Well, it's dogs who know when their owners are coming home. Right. I think that animals are just and like I said, they're always watching everything. You know, movement again is very important to them. And it was just the weirdest thing. I, you know, I had never even really thought of it consciously, Linda. And it was just something that was in my head because we were about to enter the park and go in there and do the run, and I didn't right. want him to keep doing that. Yeah. And I just said, Shadrach, I don't want to have to put you in the car. I don't want to have to put you on the leash. I want you to be able to have fun, but not don't do that until we're done. And I was 
obviously holding this visual in my head, and he has not done that. Every now and then in the summertime, he'll get this wild hair, and I just got to go for it. But, right. you know, I think that's just being a dog, just totally having just to let his... being a dog, right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah. I think also uh, something that is really important for us to keep that in mind, because... Uh, so often what I see, you know, we, we do uh, trainings for companion animals, mm-hmm. and we have these. Uh, well, actually, I'm doing one in Santa Fe. When is it? Hmm, sometime in April. I think. Oh, you have to tell me, Linda. That's not yeah. far away. <laughs> hmm, it's a Saturday at a church. We I'm going to be doing a presenta- you know, a demonstration of T-Touch for dogs. Oh, that's great. And, um, I guess people, I don't even know when it is. Oh, let me ask my husband to go online and find out. <laughs> Roland, can you go and look and see? Go online and find out. But it's just interesting how animals, um, you know, how they pick up on things. You know, Jeannie, I've been dealing with this one client and her her dog. Mm-hmm. And she's stressed, so stressed over him and crying all the time. And I'm just wondering if that... Over the dog. Well, of course, the dog is wondering what's wrong with her. Exactly. Well, yeah, he's been having a lot of um, problems uh, with his uh, bowels, you know, with um, keeping food down. And, of course, I know what it is that she's feeding him was part of it. But the other part is she's stressed and crying about it, yeah. about him all the time. And I told her, you've got to get to a happy place so that this yeah. dog can get well. <laughs> but, you know, this is what I would say also you could suggest to her is have her do the heart hug on herself. Because... That's a good idea. One of the things that we discovered when when we when we humans are in a and animals too are in a state of this distraught state, mm-hmm. our brain goes into this high beta, this panic state, and we cannot think. It's easy to say, but we can't think. And when you do the heart hug on yourself, it just takes the person out of that panicked high beta state and 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 quiets the mind. And it's almost brain. like what you were saying, what you do with the horses um, in the beginning of the show, Linda, where you were talking about how you get them to think rather than react. Right, and, and by specific ways of lowering the head, stroking the ears, stroking with the wand down the neck, chest, and down the front legs to ground them. Mm-hmm. But it actually also calms them, and we have. I love studies, and um, we mm. have a we have a, a, a therapist in Virginia who had this very panicky Arabian mare named Grace, and very dangerous actually under saddle. And they started doing the tea touch with her, and and they did a research study just with stroking these slow strokes down the neck, chest, front legs to the ground, just very quietly, and had a major shift in her brainwave patterns, which actually they only did this a couple of times, and this mirror was so different because it, she got grounded and connected and started thinking. Wow. Now, this was just stroking? It wasn't the actual circle, this, circular in motion? Case, this was a stroke with the wand. I'll be. Um, and... So, um, sorry, Roland's just looking online. We had to get the date. I wanted to, I wanted to give you the date. Oh, yeah. It's the 12th of April. And they okay, can 12th go of April. to my website to find Okay, that. okay. Linda, you're not going to believe this. We have run down to the end of the show. Oh, no. And um, what I was going, I'm going to ask you this, and uh, you can answer it however you want. I usually ask our audience to uh, share any parting words of wisdom they'd like to impress upon, you know, to leave the audience with encouraged. Oh, well, I, I have, you know, um, I, I think what's really important is learn to trust your heart 
there are so many different ways of working with animals. And we see on, on, on our television, we see some that are pretty aggressive and others that aren't. And what I recommend is that people apply the golden rule to their animals. Treat your mm-hmm. animal as you would like to be treated. Mm. And that means it should do something that makes you feel good. Try, right. Work with them in a way that makes your heart feel good because it actually affects your heart coherence or your heart rhythm. And that's a whole other that's a whole, that's other, other, show. That's a whole other show. <laughs> Well, Linda, thank you so much for being with us, and we'd invite our audience to please check out Linda's website and get all these news updates, her books, her DVDs, her YouTube channel, all of the things that are going on and all the dates and places she's going to be around the world at www.ptouch.com. Linda, we look forward um, to having you back again in the future and always enjoy you, and I hope to get up to Santa Fe to see you when you're in town. <laughs> oh, well, please come. Uh, we'd love to invite you on that afternoon. Oh, on that thank Saturday you so much. Well, that's all for today. In a spirit of love and truth, we hope you all have a... A tail wagging, foot stomping, wing flapping, perfectly animal talking day. (laughs) (laughs) Almost didn't get it out. Pets and nature come together every week on Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason. Learn how to care for your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature has to offer so your pets can live a happy, healthy, and harmonious life. Pet Talk Naturally, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Naturally.